Pamela Cook, host and producer of the Rights for Women podcast. And I'm Claudine Tanellis from Talking Aussie Books. We've joined forces to bring you a series of exciting interviews from the recent Romance Writers of Australia conference in Fremantle. Chatting with authors whose work ranges from historical and contemporary fiction, crime and rural romance, rom-coms and domestic thrillers. We wanted to know what being part of an organisation like the RWA meant to each of them. And the impact it had on their respective journeys to publication. We had a blast chatting to these brilliant women and can't wait to share the results. So tune in to Rights for Women and Talking Aussie Books over the next eight weeks for these fabulous episodes. Happy listening. Victoria Herman, Lily Malone, welcome to the Rights for Women slash Talking Aussie Books RWA Green Room. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Pam. Lovely to be here. Oh, it was a mouthful. Before we get going on the questions, can you give us your elevator bio, Lily? I'll give it a whirl. I'm probably best known for writing Australian small town contemporary stories. Gets lumped in the rural romance genre. The other name it gets is Chick Lit, which I've never liked very much. But I finally wrote a book called The Vet's Country Holiday and it has a chicken in it. So I feel like it's actually apt. And just lately, I've dipped my toe a little bit into writing. Ah, okay, excellent. Victoria, these days I can call myself novelist, mentor, workshop presenter, reader, um, and golden retriever mother. <laughs> oh, you're beautiful yeah. golden retriever. Oh, dogs. I'll talk about her lots and lots if you like. Okay, yeah, feel free. What's the name? Her name's amazing. She's two and a half. She's so cute. Get onto Instagram and have a look at Victoria's dog, everybody. Gorgeous. I remember her from a puppy. <laughs> She's a lot of our life. She arrived just in time. We had we knew she was coming and then COVID hit and we couldn't drive to Victoria to collect her. But we got her at the beginning of April in twenty twenty mm-hmm. when the lockdowns just happened. So she's a lockdown dog, and it's just been the most brilliant thing, actually. Oh, and it's such a distraction. So we love her to be. Oh, and it's such a cute name, too. And I'll let Macy. So we're going to start with a couple of questions about WA and romance writing. So the first one is What impact has being a member of RWA and coming to the conference had on your writing? I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for Romance Writers of Australia. I did a workshop 10 years ago now in South Australia, where I'm from. And the presenter was Trish Morey, long-time RWA member and published for third person whole range of publishers and genres. And so I did her workshop and she said, if you, want, if you write a book and you, and you finish it, you can pitch it to publishers at a Romance Writers of Australia conference. And this was about February of that year. And I just didn't want to waste that opportunity. So I wrote the book, I went to conference in August that year to the Gold Coast and pitched my book. And that's why I have a writing career. So I owe everything to this organisation and, in fact, for a few years I was on the committee organising conferences like the one we're at today and talking to run the organisation and uh, so I think it's wonderful. I describe it as the most feminist organisation I've ever been a part of because it's run by women, most of the publishers are women, membership is largely women, not that we don't like having blokes, of course. There are one or two. There are one or two, but it's so great to be around such talented, dedicated, well, women who... Um, fully support and believe in what they do and what they write. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. I don't have quite so much to do with RWA, certainly as what Victoria has, but I did find I joined when I began writing properly as trying to make a career out of writing as an absolute aspiring 
author. And at that time, it was hugely useful to me. And I entered some competitions and it was actually, I entered the first KISS competition in about 2011, something like that. So I probably started, I'm a journalist by trade, and I started trying to write properly when my youngest child was one. So that's 10, 11 years ago now. And I did a year or more of not achieving very much at all. And it took learning that RWA even existed. I didn't really even know it was out there. And I found it somehow, probably good old Google, joined it, learned so much. And my learning curve from that point was just massive. And it was the finaling in that RWA first kiss that year that told me that I was on the right path right, and something was going right about what I was doing. And that was massive. So as a Certainly an aspiring author. I couldn't recommend it more highly. I did lapse and fall off the wagon and not be a member for a while. I I am a member again now because I wanted to come to conference and I knew conference was going to be in Perth, which is my home state. So I think maybe at different times there might be an ebb and flow and that's okay. You don't necessarily mean you have to stay all the time. But I do think I don't give it all the credit for getting me sort of an affirmation at the time that I was on the right track was really useful. And those craft posts at that time, gold for me. Yeah, yeah, because there's a whole range of competitions. And then, as I say, there's a lot of craft opportunities, both online and at conference and different workshops. So there's plenty to really inspire everybody. Can I second that, Nilly, about what you said, competitions? I entered, before I got my publishing offer, I'd entered a, the first three chapters contest called Ripping Star. Yeah. I think I've turned seconds. I'm sure excited. They have these great names. So yeah, <laughs> it. You're right. It actually tells you, gives you a bit of that feedback about there's something in this. Or yes. People liked it. Yeah. On the right track. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't, you can never get that from just submitting. You start submitting to agents or publishers and you just, the rejections don't really ever give you very much. The RWA competitions, I don't know if they still do, but at that time, some of those judges went to a lot of effort to write and mark and say what mm. they liked, what they didn't like, what worked, where, where you could have done this or that. Yeah, it's so valuable. Yeah, it's like getting a critique. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Another question about romance. What do you think is the biggest misconception about the romance genre or and or romance forces? Victoria? I think there's a real misconception amongst those who don't read it mm. that we sit and churn it out, that there's a formula. Oh, I'm just going to whip off and off today. <laughs> and then it's done. And if there's no effort, hard work, craft, research behind any of that, and that's really, it's really insulting actually because it takes away from the fact that it takes skill to write a book, mm. no matter the genre. And it takes bungalow, as Nora Roberts says. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have to apply it. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you yeah, to, to sit behind your keyboard and write. Yeah. And people have asked me, how do you do it? And I say, lots of typing. Because you, it's, it's the only way. Only the way. only way. So I think that's the biggest misconception about what people do. And when I was first published, people said, oh, did you get the guidebook about how there has to be a first kiss on page 32? Said, no. Because there isn't one. Yes. And I think the other misconception is that they're all the same because there's a big, because there's a happy ever after or a happily happy for now, as if crime isn't all the same in that sense. Exactly. Yeah. Crime just doesn't There's a crime in an investigation. They're going to find out who done it. So I think for me, they're the two biggest misconceptions. Yeah. Yeah. 
How about you? Oh, I can't really second that enough and I won't go back into it. So my answer was going to be that it's easy. (laughs) So one was the the quick answer, but for all of that reason, I think that's the greatest misconception is writing romance is easy and that anyone can do it. And that's the one where you sometimes hear people say, oh, I want to write a book one day. I can do that. I'll write a romance. That's easy. Yeah. I used to work at a writer's essay. I did some shifts there and did some work there and then people would ring and say, I have to say, most usually men. Yeah. It's like, I've written a book. Can you help me get it published? Yeah. <laughs> Where do you want me to style up? That was the process. They didn't just, people are waiting for your time to arrive. Well, that thing here yeah. when you talk to people and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to write a book one day. Yes. I'm just going to sit down. Yeah. I'm just going to pour it on me. Oh dear. Now you can address all of these or just one. What's your funniest, almost embarrassing, almost memorable moment as an author? I will go with my most embarrassing and memorable. I, we all hear about proofreading your submission, you know, proofreading your submission, including the email, which is what your, your letter of application going along with your book. And in any way, I was sending in what became Water Under the Bridge, which was my first book in the Chalk Hill series. And in the subject line, I had Water Under the Bride. <laughs> <laughs> and I nearly died. And I couldn't believe it. Oh, you're interested. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. So, of course, I then have to do the second one. Oops. Completely <laughs> different mentally. <laughs> Oh, no. So, dear Rachel Donovan, I'm not a complete idiot. I know what I've just done. Yeah, read my book. Oh, oh, I want you to write Water Under the Bride. Please do. Oh, I haven't topped it, which is a good thing. I don't want to top it. How about you? Sorry. I think my most embarrassing moments relate to typos in publishing novels. No matter how many people read them in-house, no matter how many times I read them, they just, and proofreaders and the copy editors and line editors, sometimes they they sneak through and it's embarrassing when readers point them out because, of course, they're right. And I can't tell you how many times after the nurses wore that my book that came out earlier this year, which was a big book. So the more words, of course, the more chances there are for errors to have slipped through. And readers breathe politely, send me emails. And I have to say every time, you're absolutely right. I'm so sorry to ruin the enjoyment of the book for you. We've, we've I passed it on and we'll correct it in a second reprint if there's a receiver reprint. Uh, they're often corrected really quickly on the digital third. Yeah. But even if they're corrected, someone might find a copy in their library, which is the first print run of, so they never get easier. Mm. So do you get the email that I really loved your book, but, but on yeah. page 53, line. And look, yes. we didn't, most of the time we haven't picked them up. Mm. As I said, and you know what the process is like, both of you, that many people read it. But I do get offers of people who say, oh, I could be a really good proofreader. Yeah. And say, Please, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the most embarrassing. Victoria's reminded me of another one. Like I said, I was a journalist from leaving school pretty much. And I remember I used to write the sport. And this one didn't make it to the paper, thank goodness. But I was writing junior hockey. And I, the line was, Luke Altman scored his first girl. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> Billy Bloggs scored the other two. 
<laughs> Thank goodness it never made the paper, but I've never forgotten that one either. Under 11, I think. Oh, oh. oh yeah, that's gold. I really like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Another memorable moment. <laughs> Okay, moving on, who is your biggest author crush and why? I have a few, but I'll go with my two romance go-to authors who I love. And one of them in particular, I just feel doesn't get the kudos that I find her amazing, and that's Ainsley Patton. I don't know if you've ever read her. I haven't read her books, but I know. She's just amazing. And I've been a big fan for a long time. She's hugely prolific, although I don't think she's quite writing as much lately. But everything I've read of hers fascinates me. And she writes very opposite things to me. So she, hers is all cities, high-powered jobs, executives. But she manages, hang on, I'll, ju- I'll just say, my second one mm. is Penelope Janu, who I'm a huge fan of her writing and have read almost everything, read everything she's done except her very earliest novel, I think called On the Same Page, being re-released. So I use both those two as my reward. They're my rewards when I've done something, finished something, done something. They're the ones that are my go-to to to people. And why I just stopped before was uh, uh, something that they have in common is they, they write, their heroes and heroines are doing different things. And I find it really fascinating when the employment of those characters is something that teaches you, something that really hits your buttons. I know Penelope Janu's, I think it was Horseshoe, Up on Horseshoe Hill, has a farrier, that farrier, and she's not only dealing with horses' hooves, but she goes to the zoo and she's dealing with the hooves of elephants and rhinoceros. And this is just fascinating to me. And Ainsley Patton writes heroines doing different things and the heroes and just this gutsy way of really brilliant chemistry, great writing, those two. Okay, I'll have to check out Ainsley. I've read Penelope, of course, but I have to check out Ainsley, please. And yeah, right. <laughs> she's fantastic. Great person. Yeah. That's the beauty of what we do. Mm. We get to be friends with people yeah. whose books we admire and love. And she's, she was early in Escape. So I started with Escape, publishing the digital arm of Harlequin. And at that time, I think Ainsley, in fact, I'm sure she was one of the very first inaugural Escape artists we used to call ourselves. And I don't think she would mind me saying, but we used to call her Mama Bear because she was this, like the leader of us all in that stage. And she's been a great mentor for me. I think she's amazing, but I just love what she does. How about you, Victoria? Author crush. I tend to have crushes on the people whose books I've just read and really love, <laughs> although I have to dip in and out these books because I was there from the very beginning and I even got to blurb one of the books. <laughs> and I think I call her my must read author, which is still so true. She just writes great angsty male characters. I just love that. And her, her women are, as you said, do interesting jobs and they've got lives of their own. And we know they're going to get together, of course, but how does that happen? And how cross are those men going to be? Oh, <laughs> I'm falling madly in love with it. These, these Norwegian oh, men. Norwegian. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they've all got really unusual names. I, I can never say them right. I'm sure <laughs> I don't say them right. We lost them. <laughs> they're, they're all heroic spy types. Oh. Which I love. They're always jetting back to Norway. Oh, mysterious. Or they're on their boat. <laughs> on their boat. Which is a great dramatic ploy because... 
they get real, they start to get close together and then he has to go. That's right. And so then you do see the heroine's life. I mean, it's, she's not just waiting for him to come no. back. Mm. Probably a bit keen for him to come back, of course, <laughs> as so are we. But so yeah, Penny's book, uh, Mustard's for me. And they're my reward too. They're my, there's another one coming. Yeah. She needs to write faster so that she can all of her books. I've just gone back to read uh, Kate Atkinson's book, Life After Life. Oh, oh I love really that. Yeah. Oh, I don't know that one. I just adore her. Mm. Beautiful writing. Isn't yeah. it? Just beautiful writing. And I've got the follow-up life. Uh, so I got in ruins to read. You know, and I'm going back to the early Maggie O'Farrell's as well. I, can't, I write historical picture now, but I can't read it when I'm writing or developing a book. Because I'm so paranoid, I'm going to steal mm-hmm. an idea, in, even in the thugger yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Or I'm going to read something that is so freaking good that I'm just quit on the spot. Yeah. Why am I bothering? <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. I wish I had more time for reading. That's a big regret, actually, about being um, a writer. I feel I would have more time and I don't have as much time. What a lot of the research to do with the historic and yeah, yeah. must be really time. That's right. It, I, I've been published now for almost 10 years and I just, I, I'm, I can't, still can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm 10 years older than I was a little Yeah. Than I'm just getting on fire. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I just want to watch something in Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> I thought a cozy mystery where it's all wrapped up in time and a half. That's what job. I'm trying to, I'm in between manuscripts and I'm, I, I'm, that's why I'm doing some binge reading. I just read Bali Garma's Lessons in Chemistry. Oh, but hearing really that. Fun about that. Yeah. yeah. Really fun. Yeah. I try to read in a, like a varied way. I do read crime too, um, just to, because I think we can learn something from the plot of any good book mm. and characterization, setting, all those things that are common to no matter what we write. So I try to read like, mm. great recommendations. How do you, first thing writing for quite a while now, how do you continue to develop your skills as a writer? Kelly? Well, <laughs> Interestingly, I still read a lot. I quite like that, the Goodreads challenge and trying to keep accountable. So I read a lot and I beta read a lot mm. for people, which I really enjoy. So uh, because my answer to the writing tip, I think, is to read a lot. And yes, do you then get your wish you'd, wish you'd said or coined a phrase the way that you're, whoever you're reading, because you just say, oh, that's magic. I wish I'd thought of that. But I still think reading a lot, listening a lot and people watching mm-hmm. and eavesdropping and just scenarios and what people do. I don't really have, I'm, a, I'm not writing a lot at the moment, says me who says she's reading a lot. I need the tips right now, but I think the other one has to be the bum glue because it just won't write itself. So I used to be very disciplined, but I've been just struggling this year so maybe the one other thing I would say is find a routine that works for you and try and stick with that Mm -hmm. so if you're the morning person you write better in the morning try and stick to that I need a quiet house and I always have I don't even put music you know the people who say to me they've got a playlist for a novel that will never be me Uh, I like it quiet so I always used to need it to be the kids were at school the husband's at work and I'm writing so I would say find the routine that works or the place that works for you. I think that's important mm. too. And then make a date with that desk or cafe table, whatever it is that's going to work yeah. for you. Make a date. Make it important. Mm. Value it maybe, something mm. like that. Mm. I need my own lesson. <laughs> How about you, Victoria? Would you be, be continuing to, we're all continuing always to develop our skills, but 
Are there any specific things that you're studying? Yeah, when I finished reading a book, I think about the structure of it. I think about how, why it was so successful for me. I tend not to when I'm reading it because I'm just enjoying it. But afterwards, I think I just mentioned life after life. Okay, that can put the time. It wasn't a time slip. It was a time jigsaw puzzle. Mm. Yeah. And, and at first I thought, I'm not going to be able to fall away. But she did it so cleverly. I'm still thinking about how she did it so cleverly that I'm, it still made sense. So reading helps us follow me. Mm. Um, I mentor writers and do workshops, and I find that really fascinating as well. But Bill Wazoom now has been for a couple of years that I'll go around to my open. So read your first chapter and I think great idea for a book. It's got a grand new dark have that please. Yes, that's right. <laughs> right yeah. there. But the, the, the discipline that comes in, the bungalow. Yeah. And look, people have great ideas that they might not be great writers. They, can they get those skills? I think we have to work really hard. Yeah. Um, I was a journalist too, and mm. I think there's a discipline that comes with mm. um, the training that we have. It's a kind of different discipline to writing a novel. Definitely. Word. Definitely. But there's a playing with language thing that we that I think's ingrained in us. The other thing I do is come to conferences like this and sit around for a couple of days, listen to things. And I'll never forget, I went to the conference in Sydney, which was out at Olympic Park. I can't even think what year it was because it was pre-COVID sometime. Yeah. And I was in a workshop and I got an idea for my next book and I went up to my room at 14,000 words, just like that. Wow. Now that's a one-off and it hasn't yeah. been since. But I think that's... So I always remember that because something just sparked in me and, you know, you've got to strong what the line thoughts. So. Yeah. I don't think you ever stop learning and I think you learn from writing your own books too. Don't you? Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing on the, just on the journalism side is you get, certainly from cadetship and upwards, you get used to having red pen slash through everything mm-hmm. and you don't get quite so precious about listening to people taking on that critique you don't you don't get I'm sure you've talked to people who say <laughs> they're going to write a book and they'd like to find a publisher but they don't want anything changed mm. you had that one don't want anything changed I want it just the way I've mm. written it that will never be me and it should author in the world or maybe it's a defensive mechanism before they even start to say I don't want anything changed I want it exactly the way it is and if a publisher won't do that then I they're not right for me Mm. Yeah, I've heard that too. And I think if that's the way you want to run your writing career, go for it with those off. Yeah. But in if in that traditional publishing world, and every time I've been edited, it's been a bit of a oh, Exactly. Exactly. Yep. I couldn't agree with that one more. Yeah. Good loving just sitting back listening. <laughs> <laughs> we better move on. Do you have any favorite writing or book related podcasts or just generally podcasts? Because there's been just in the other chats I've had we Authors, so there's a whole range of different podcasts that they listen to that may not be writing the way. I'm going to make my half new year resolution. Actually, September 1st is a really good date to make a date and listen to more podcasts. And I'll be starting with a big backlist of yours. I'm a bit naughty. I love walking, but I like walking and I like listening to nature around me. I like if I go to the beach walk, I want to hear the waves. It's rare for me to want to stick pods in my ears. So I'm going to need to change some things to to begin, but I think I'm missing out on them. By I, I think I'm missing out on a whole treasure trove out there and I need to tap into that treasure. So I'll start with you. September 1st. September 3rd. Yes, all pink, lossy books, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Have that in picture. Are you a podcast person? Or? No, I'm not really because I've grown up around, I started off as a radio and TV journalist and I've become, it, what happens is you become a news junkie. Mm. So I have the radio on all day on the news. If I'm listening to the radio, if I'm writing or don't, yeah. but I'm on the news radio. Yes, news radio <laughs> even. I'm not even on. So I'm constantly filling that well and I can't get out of that habit. Maybe I, I gave up my day job, if you like, a, a year ago, and maybe I'm starting to wean myself off listening to the news all day and then two news portions at night. You're a news junkie. And so I tend to have a lot going on orally anyway. And at not, I know I do listen to podcasts, but I listen to American politics podcasts. Mm. <laughs> Wait, I know. <laughs> three chapters and then i wake up and it's chapter 17 and i don't know what's happened i've got to rewind the next night i had an old-fashioned tape i remember a cassette tape to help me sleep when i was in my teens and it was a yoga nidra i think they called it and that used to be that used to put me to sleep so I think I would be similar if i start the audible books unless i do it in the day but i've got a friend that starts reading on a Kindle and that puts her to sleep at night. And it's not that it's a boring book. Yeah. yeah. And for the same reason, to try and get to sleep, well, not if I sleep well. I cannot trick listening to an audio book that I've already listened to. Oh. So I miss a few chapters. doesn't matter. No, nothing. Because prior to that, I was listening to it and loving it with Emily Henry, book lovers. And I wasn't going to, it was defeating the purpose because I wasn't going to sleep because I wanted to hear what happened. Yeah. yeah. But now I've tried yeah. to just read a sneak. I think, like, yeah, I think for me, it's just some people's voices I just find very horrific mm. and mm. it's not that they're boring or, yes, I just like listening to the style and it's the rhythm of their voice. Mm. It's like, yeah. It's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. No, uh, but there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. I try to read all the books. I think they're awesome for people who commute. Yes. Um, yeah. But I've never, I live in the country, I, my commute is 10 minutes. Yeah. But I think on trains, I could. I, I don't know if they're a city thing more than a country thing. It might be interesting. What about long drawn types? Two long drawns? I'm from Margaret River, so that's three hours to, for me to come to Perth for this is a three-hour drive. But normally I value my silence. You grow up with these kids and the husband and they're all talking at me yeah. and it's just the silent car is oh, magic. I love it. All music. I love it singing along to the <laughs> When you're on your own? It, it, or will you sing with people? No, oh, no, the hubby and I, we've been weekends away for a beach place and we go down there and he'll say, what do you feel like listening to? And I say, give me some old Tom and Paul and I stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we know the words too. Yeah. And that can have a demand on your ear time. Yeah. It's fair. It's finer. It's yeah. But there are people that swear by them and are so into them. And the other one, if I was to, if yours is your American politics, mine is the stock market. I'm quite interested in share investing. And there's a guy that I follow who does a podcast. It's actually called The Naked Podcast. (laughs) And I would, if I get into it, it would be share tips, share investments and rights for women. Okay. Going to check in with you. September 1st. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> We've kind of covered this, but do you have any other top tips for writers that you wanted to share? Oh, no, everything that we had, and probably I would have to add, just listen, soak up. And I think 
don't be afraid to reach out to authors you like because certainly within Australia, within the romance writing, I think you would, I don't think you'd be knocked back by anybody. If you reached out and you didn't reach out in any way that was demanding or rude or asking too much, but if you just reached out maybe to start a relationship, I think most of the writing community would be receptive, mm. at least to some sort of initial thing or offering some tips. Or if I'd known that or thought about that and reached out to somebody, that might have let me find something like Romance Writers of Australia earlier yeah. in the piece than what it eventually did, maybe. Okay. Something mm. like that. Mm. Connecting. Yeah. Yeah. I would encourage potential writers to do workshops. Mm. Uh, whether RWA this weekend is two whole days of workshops. In fact, three. three. Those workshops of all different kinds about writing inspiration to craft to social media to everything. Mm. So, I would, but each state writing center has a program, so workshops. Many of us do these days because yeah. I didn't say it's so much easier. So, I would encourage people to really investigate every for those who have an idea for a book and don't know what to do or how to gauge what, do a workshop on how to write your novel. Mm. How to start from scratch or how to turn an idea into an art, whatever they're called. Yeah. It might just be that spark for you that I've had in workshops myself that will just give you that. And a community connection as well to your local writing community. Yeah. And that's so important. So if you start, well, you meet people who are like-minded and you get together and. That's the tribe thing. The tribe, yeah. Find the tribe. We're not flowing today. No, yeah. I mean, let's have wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Before we wrap up, can you each tell us about either your latest release or an imminent release? Victoria? I have a new book coming next April 1st or March 30th, sort of March-ish, next year. I can't say the title, it's just decided, but it's about two women who enter the 1956 Women's Weekly Great Australian Cooking Contest. No. <laughs> it's a real contest with a thousands of pounds, a huge prize pool of money for all the winners. So I just wondered, I saw that and thought, how would it change their lives in moving to things to win? So that's my next year. Oh, I look forward to that. And you're in the title. <laughs> it's like a watch this space. <laughs> we should hold her down and tickle her or something and make her tell us. You heard it here first. Talk every couple of wine. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes that part of the reason I've not been writing this year is I was really busy last year and I actually had two books out in this last from November to March so to have two books in the six months made quite a a busy time so my latest book was out in March this year with HarperCollins and that was called The Vets Country Holiday and that's your it's like a holiday romance and an opposites attract would be the two tropes working there between a city vet who's gone on holiday to Chalk Hill where she's going to meet with a forensic accountant who's from Brisbane and he's come back to try and help his parents' business, which is failing. So that's the two opposites attract me. And I mentioned right off the bat that I had dipped my toe into crime writing. In November last year, I reproduced, released a book called The Waterhole. And that was a, a crime mystery and a time split novel set in my hometown of Kawarama and that just got shortlisted for the Dabbit Award 2022. So I was so stoked. But so yeah, I have I don't I'm struggling with what's next. I'm not sure what's next, but I have a feeling it would be back into crime before it was into romance. But we will see. There's always opportunity just around the corner, I think. 
Correct. So we'll see. Something might spark. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lily and Victoria. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. In the RWA green room. <laughs> and enjoy the content, mate. Thank you and have a great conference. Thank you. Thanks so much, Pam. Thanks for listening to Rights for Women. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with this week's guest. If you did, I'd love it if you could add a quick rating or review wherever you get your podcasts so others can more easily find the episodes. Don't forget to check out the backlist on the Rights for Women website. So much great writing advice in the library there. And you can also find the transcript of today's chat on the website too. You can find details on the website on how to support the podcast through Patreon and get exclusive access to the extended audio and video of the monthly craft episode. And you can connect with me through the website at rightsforwomen.com, on Instagram and Twitter at W4W Podcast, the Facebook page Rights for Women. Find me and my writing at pamelacook.com.au. Have a great week, and remember, every word you write, you're one word closer to typing the end. <laughs>